WWE podcast on this Friday, September 2nd, one day away from Clash at the Castle. And I gotta say, guys, I think this is going to be a hell of a pay-per-view. I know I'm excited. I hope you guys are too. And I think we have a classic coming up on our hands. And one other thing, I'm not sure if this is true, but it seems like this is going to be the last pay-per-view WWE has until late November when Survivor Series rolls around. But, uh... Who knows if that is going to be accurate or not. I'm sure they may sneak in a No Mercy or a Hell in a Cell somewhere along the lines. But uh, that's not why we're here today. We're we're here to go back in time. And today we are going back 10 years ago when WWE hosted Raw 1000. And I kind of got this idea to do this show when they had SmackDown 1200, ironically enough or coincidentally enough. In my hometown of Montreal, just a few weeks back, and you know, kind of found it odd. I know Matt had touched on it that it is kind of bizarre to celebrate like a Raw or SmackDown or whatever at like a hundred mark, when typically you would assume to do it at a five hundred mark or a one thousand mark or what have you. And I got to thinking, and it seems as though, and to be fair, math has never been my friend, but it seems as though that Raw has now passed the. 1500 mark as I would assume that they're now into the 1500s probably close to 1530 obviously we have gotten no celebration on that front I think the last celebration we had for Monday Night Raw was Raw 25 years and that was at the beginning of 2018 but Raw 1000 10 years ago today or not today but 10 years ago back in July which was absolutely crazy to think about. It was broadcasted on July 23rd, 2012 from St. Louis, Missouri. And it's crazy to go back and look at where we were in WWE during that time. And, you know, just to give some context, you had CM Punk about a year into his historic run as the WWE champion. And that in and of itself is a pretty significant time period in WWE because obviously now we have CM Punk coming back from what was it, a seven-year hiatus and now right in the thick of things in the AEW main event, the former AEW world champion. And it's just crazy to think that it was 10 years ago that he was arguably the face of the WWE and really dominating the the crowd reactions and just how hot he was at that time you had the rock back in the middle of wwe as he was about a year and a half back into his on and off part-time return to the company and he would make an appearance at raw 1000 and it and again another crazy thing to think about was that back 10 years ago and it's absolutely crazy that we're talking about something that was 10 years ago a full decade ago now 
it's crazy to me that like there was a about a two two and a half year period where it was normal for The Rock to show up once every couple months or so. It was almost like he was on the Undertaker schedule back then. And and it's as if I don't know if we took it quite, or I don't know, rather, if we had taken it for granted at all. Obviously, there's rumblings that he is going to come back for one final match at this upcoming WrestleMania in Los Angeles or in Hollywood, wherever it is. And it was just a really cool time. And you have... The, the World Heavyweight Championship run of Sheamus, a very underrated world title run for Sheamus during this period where he was still as a full-fledged babyface. And the last, nope, he had won one world title since then. He won the WWE Championship for a cup of coffee at Survivor Series 2015. But this was a really good run for Sheamus as the World Heavyweight Champion. And obviously... Another big thing that was going on at this time was the return of Brock Lesnar, who had returned just three months prior following WrestleMania 28 in April of 2012. So you had like a newly returned Brock Lesnar. You had The Rock still in the thick of things. The Undertaker was still kicking around. You had Triple H still as like a part-time competitor. You had Shawn Michaels still showing up periodically. The historic run of CM Punk as a WWE champion. Sheamus as a solid world heavyweight champion, although that title had been starting to become very disrespected by this point in time. John Cena still as an in-ring competitor. And obviously, you had the big show in the midst of a newly heel-turned run. And obviously, we know the, the big show turned heel more times than we could count. But this was a pretty cool run for the big show that he was on. Arguably his best run of his WWE career when he was had just signed his ironclad contract with John Laurinaitis. And he could theoretically do whatever he wanted. So, we start the show with Vince McMahon in the middle of the ring, thanking the audience and whatnot, and he was quickly interrupted by D-Generation X, Triple H and Shawn Michaels. And obviously, they get their big pop, they do their shtick, but then they start talking about if there used to be more of them. And that is when we maybe started getting a hint that we were in for something special. I mean, obviously... I mean, I know I have my underwear on. Do you have your underwear on? Is that what it is? Check. Okay. Underwear on. You know what? I'm at a loss. Hold on a second. Hold on. Did there used to be more of us? Jack Lord! 
So for the first time in probably over 10 years, if not longer, we see all the members of Degeneration X, save for China and Rick Rude, kind of come together in the middle of the ring. Been a long time since I'd seen X-Pac or the New Age Outlaws in a WWE ring, let alone in the DX gear with Triple H and Shawn Michaels. And obviously, you didn't really get to see Shawn Michaels with this version of Degeneration X, right? Because they kind of joined following his initial retirement from the company after WrestleMania 14. So do they do their whole shtick and whatever, but are quickly interrupted by a wrestler who I don't think gets enough recognition for how much national um, national how much natural comedic ability he really had and his name was Damian Sandow then go okay one two okay okay, okay ready one two one moment. My name is Damian Sandow, and I am the intellectual savior of you, the unwashed masses. Please. Hey, listen, pal. No, wait, wait, wait. I'd actually like to hear him out. I mean, let's face it, we are, we are pretty scuzzy. So go ahead, go ahead. I'd like to hear you. This is what Raw, the WWE, and society at large has disintegrated to. Common degenerates whose sophomoric and disgusting behavior has plagued humanity and brainwashed the masses into revering this type of crass conduct. All right, I gotta be honest. That's true about me. I want you. What? Why would you do that? I'm going. I'm going back home. I'm going straight to church, and I'm asking for forgiveness again. Great. <laughs> now, I understand that you barbaric buffoons could easily eviscerate me and dispose of me like common trash. <laughs> However, if you do so. I will not be a victim. I will be a martyr. A martyr for anyone who appreciates a sophisticated mind. You, you do make a good point. Um, we're going to need to discuss this as a group. We've been apart for a little bit and figure out exactly what we're going to do. Hold on. Just let us have a huddle here for a second. What are you, what are you, no, no, no. What are you talking about? We what? need to have a... You need to be over there. You're not part of the planning. That's very bro. rude. No, I know, but uh, we're rude guys. Right? Can wait to see what TX comes up with for this guy. Okay, here's the thing. This is what we've decided. Oh, sweet chin music! Not into a pedigree! 
<laughs> you know, Damien Sandow, if you guys don't remember him, he was um, he was pretty funny. He was pretty damn funny, uh, and he was just reserved for comedic relief. He obviously became Damien Mizdow in the future, and a guy that, like, as far as the entertainment side of WWE, he was really good and checked that box. And there's not a lot of guys who I just inherently find funny, but uh, Mizdow or Sandow, whichever one it was, was one of those. So then you get the first match of the night. You have a six-man tag match, Sheamus versus Rey Mysterio and Sin Cara versus Del Rio, Ziggler, and Chris Jericho. JR comes out to call this match. It lasts less than five minutes. And Ziggler attacks his own partner. Sheamus hits a bro kick on Jericho. And the, the babyface team wins. So whatever. Good opening match, I guess. And, you know, spoiler alert. Uh, save for maybe the main event, this Raw was much more based around the entertainment part of it. The actual wrestling was not, uh, um, I guess, was secondary, to say the least. Afterwards, you have a backstage segment with AJ Lee preparing for her wedding. Obviously, tonight she was going to be marrying Daniel Bryan. And Daniel Bryan's still a heel at this point before the Yes movement, which is crazy to think about. And then you get some interruptions from Jim Duggan, Roddy Piper, R-Truth, Mae Young whatever the hand so more entertainment as stuff then you get brodus clay defeating jack swagger in about 20 seconds or so and out comes dude love to dance with brodus clay who at the time had the funkadactyls which was cameron and naomi crazy to think all the way naomi has come since then and then you have DX interrupt a yoga session between Trish and Triple H backstage. So a lot of just good nostalgia type moments. Very little wrestling to speak of. I think by this point, the total wrestling on the card had been, you know, less than six minutes or so. Kind of shows where WWE was going with this. Then you have the actual wedding of AJ, Lee, and Daniel Bryan. But before they could complete their actual signing and after AJ Lee had said yes to the vow Vince McMahon comes out and offers AJ Lee the raw general manager position and AJ Lee reveals that her yes was not to the vows to Daniel Bryan but yes to accepting the offer as the raw general manager and obviously she leaves him at the altar, a heel Daniel Bryan freaks out, all this, and next thing you know, you have then WWE champion CM Punk come out and just kind of get, just start to grind the gears of Daniel Bryan. And just when you think it's going to be a segment of two guys, there is a big interruption of someone that the fans have been waiting for for a long, long time.
So The Rock comes out, um, big entrance, has a funny bit with um, with Daniel Bryan. Very funny discourse between the two of them. I love when Dan Rudge has to interrupt The Rock and all that. And then The Rock shuts him down, calls him Frodo. Very, very funny. But obviously, as you just heard, The Rock has his sights set on the WWE Championship, which at this point is around the waist of CM Punk. And The Rock had some big news as far as himself and the WWE Championship were concerned. I just got word. The Rock just got word at the Royal Rumble. Whoever the WWE Champion is, they will go one on one with the Great One. And that night, they will defend their title against The Rock. Well, that is good news for you. And you know what? That's good news for me, too, because I'll fill in the blank for you, Rocky, that whoever will be WWE champion, you're looking at him. Tonight, I'm going to beat John Cena. And if you want a match at Royal Rumble, well... I wish the Royal Rumble was tomorrow because I can't wait. I want to jump in head first. CM Punk versus The Rock sounds good to me. And all due respect, just like I end John Cena tonight, I'm going to beat you at the Royal Rumble. Let The Rock make something perfectly clear to you, CM Punk. And it goes like this, like The Rock said earlier, it was right here in St. Louis that The Rock won his very first WWE Championship. So it's only fitting that The Rock will stand before you tonight, look you in the eye, and tell you, CM Punk, the best in the world, that at the Royal Rumble, The Rock will be the next WWE Champion. So obviously you get the the kickoff to this eventual rivalry between CM Punk and The Rock, one that I think kind of overachieved, to be honest. The the war of words when you finally got to this rivalry was very, very, um, very, very entertaining to say the least. And um, 
it was pretty cool to see these two go face to face because to this point you really hadn't seen the rock go head to head with any competitor aside from john cena so to see him go one-on-one with the best in the world the wwe champion at this point was pretty cool to see but although him and cm punk were waging a war words daniel bryan felt kind of excluded from the situation hits him with the rock bottom does all that and now you kind of have legs to build towards cm punk and the rock but as he mentioned cm punk that is he had to go through john cena that night who was cashing in his money in the bank in the main event of raw 1000 i think one of the first ones to do so in a traditional fashion first one was a rob van dam back in 2006 so following that you have an intercontinental championship match between christian and the miz with Bret Hart as the guest ring announcer, The Miz would win the Intercontinental Championship and recognize as a Triple Crown winner. Following that, you have Triple H come back out to the ring to call out Brock Lesnar, who had broken his arm about three months prior and wanted a match with Brock at SummerSlam. Paul Heyman comes out, refuses to give Triple H that match, saying that Brock has no interest in such a contest. Stephanie McMahon comes out to try and coerce Heyman into switching his answer. And in doing so, although they maybe have got the answer they wanted, they also got a surprise from the Beast Incarnate. They're ashamed of you. They're ashamed to be your children because they know that their father is nothing more than a professional parasite. You want to see your husband get hurt? You want to see your husband's career end? Is that what you want to see? Huh? You want to see your husband fight Brock Lesnar? You got it! It's on! You and Brock at SummerSlam! It's on! 
girl, Stephanie, you, you always get what you want. I fell for it. You always get exactly what you want. It's what your father taught you. It's what you teach your children. Is, is that the lesson? Oh, my God. Oh, Lord. And look at this. Stephanie is the place to get her. Assault me, Paul Hammond. Get her. This is going to be a huge lawsuit. This cannot be good. No, not at all. But Stephanie's got to get out of the ring. Yeah. Stephanie's got to get out of the ring. Everybody, here comes Lesnar. Everybody, and Lesnar. Right after Triple H. Lesnar picked Triple H over his feet. And Lesnar's attacking the game. Decimating the game. And Triple H fighting back. Here comes Triple H. Toe to toe. Fist to fist. Lesnar and Triple H. Watch out. The bar is in soon. You knew this was coming. This has been building for months. Both of these guys landed some huge shots here. Wait a minute. Triple H has not rushed around the ring. Triple H is standing tall. Do you believe that? The game. So the brawl ensues, Triple H gets the better of Brock Lesnar and sets up their match at SummerSlam, which would obviously bleed all the way into WrestleMania of the following year. And, you know, you have Brock Lesnar here as a fresh face. People still wanted to see Brock more so than ever because he had been away from the company for so long. So another good first I guess kickoff to a storyline that would drag out for quite a few months all the way into Wrestlemania that started here at Raw 1000 then you get another uh, how would you say entertainment type of feud or event where Heath Slater who had been you know getting his ass kicked for lack of better terms by several legends over the preceding weeks then has a backstage callout or a no disqualification match against Lita, who then hired the APA. And then as he tried, as Slater tried to escape, you have guys like Bob Backlund, DDP, Doink the Clown, Rikishi come out, and all of them all kind of gang up on Heath Slater, and Lita hits the twist of fate for the win, a clothesline from Bradshaw, and just another kind of... I guess, nostalgic type of segment. Then you get Kane, who schedules to face Jinder Mahal in a match. But before the match gets under the way, Jinder Mahal is accompanied to the ring by Kurt Hawkins, Tyler Rex, Hunico, Camacho, and Drew McIntyre, of all people. Crazy to see how far Drew has come in the last 10 years. And they're about to all gang up on Kane and beat the hell out of him. 
Undertaker's music hits, Undertaker comes to the ring, saves his brother, they clear the ring, choke slams, tombstones, the whole shebang, another good nostalgic moment. So then you get to the main event of John Cena cashing in his Money in the Bank briefcase against CM Punk for the WWE Championship. And, you know, this match is going on. Good match, obviously, Cena versus um, CM Punk. And just about 10 minutes in, the ref gets knocked out. And the big show, who had really been, had set his sights on John Cena in the past few months, comes to the ring and hits John Cena with a knockout punch. And CM Punk actually tries to capitalize on this interference from the big show doesn't get the pinfall victory. Cena gets him actually in the STF and then Big Show interferes once and for all to cause the disqualification and ensure CM Punk keeping the WWE Championship. The beatdown of the Big Show on CM on John Cena would continue after the ring, after the match was officially over and CM Punk really didn't want to help and he was getting set to leave the ring when someone else would interfere. Shoulders. 
So just like that, you have the CM Punk heel turn that he would keep pushing forward with all the way until WrestleMania when he faced off against uh, The Undertaker in 2013. So a pretty crazy way to end the night. You have the ultra babyface CM Punk turning heel on The Rock. And it kind of set the stage even more so for their eventual rivalry that would really get going in January of 2013, about six months following this uh, this night on Raw 1000. And this CM Punk heel turn set up a lot of matches. You know, at SummerSlam, you'd have the triple threat match for the WWE Championship between Punk and Big Show and John Cena. Quickly, thereafter, soon thereafter, he would align with Paul Heyman as his manager. You'd have him face off against the likes of uh, Ryback, who was kind of on a meteorotic rise at this time. Then you would have the Shield interfere at Survivor Series in the triple threat match between Ryback, CM Punk, and John Cena. So a lot happened on this night uh raw 1000 although the wrestling was kind of secondary which we kind of became accustomed to in vince mcmahon's wwe but it set up a lot of long-term storytelling you know you had the rock and cm punk you had triple h and brock lesnar so you had two matches that eventually would become kind of big time main events over the coming months obviously brock and triple h would have a match at SummerSlam and WrestleMania, The Rock and CM Punk would have matches at Royal Rumble and the Elimination Chamber, and also including John Cena in here as he would eventually have his rematch against The Rock at WrestleMania 29 for the WWE Championship. Anyway, guys, that's all I got for you today. I hope you enjoyed Raw 1000. As always, you can get me on Twitter at Adamarco25. You can get Matt on Twitter at wrestling underscore audio, or you can email him each and every week for the WWE mailbag that should drop every Wednesday, but at times every Thursday. Anyway, guys, enjoy your weekend. Enjoy Clash of the Castle. I will talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to the WWE podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a show or head to wwepodcast.com. And for all of these shows ad-free, head over to patreon.com slash WWE podcast. Until then, we'll see you next time.